0: Hello and welcome to episode 136 of the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I'm Tim Robertson, the host of the podcast and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. Thanks for downloading and listening. The ALPO collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomena and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers, also lovingly known as The *Australian Astronomer. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. If you enjoy what you hear on The Observer's Notebook, you can donate to it via Patreon. You can give as little as $1 a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5 you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. And for a monthly donation of $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook, which is the official handbook of the training program within the ALPO. And for $35 a month, you receive one year's membership to the ALPO and producer credits on the podcast. You can find out more at www.patreon.com slash observersnotebook. And if you'd like to join the ALPO, you can do it for as little as $18 a year. For more information, visit us at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And you can also find us on Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy. And yes, this here podcast also has its own Facebook page as well. Just search for Observer's Notebook. And if you enjoy what you hear and don't want to miss any episodes, please subscribe. And now, episode 136, and we're going to talk about teaching astronomy to the blind all right like to welcome everybody back to this edition of the observer's notebook podcast today we have a very special guest with us uh josh urban welcome to the podcast josh hey thanks so much tim great to be here yeah, now Josh came across my plate when I was reviewing some articles in Sky Telescope magazine. And there was an article uh, called Seeing, Believing Isn't Seeing Teaching Astronomy to the Visually Impaired. And that really caught my interest. That's an area I've never really thought about. But before we get into that, Josh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely, Tim. Well, I'm an
1: astronomer. I've been an astronomer uh, since I was 12, but I just turned 36 yesterday. Um, not an astronomer by trade, though I'm a entertainer, musician, DJ, speaker, writer. And when I was about 15 years old, I was going to go into the sciences, or I was going to go into music. And I was talking to my mother, we're trying to figure this out, and we both looked at each other, and we said entertainment, <laughs> and that's where I've been, and it's kind of come full circle, and I come back to doing both. And uh, we'll get into that story in a little bit, but uh, very into outreach and education, and bringing people. The magic of the sky. So that's a little bit about me. So what sparked your interest in astronomy? Was there an event or something? It, it was a gradual thing. My I would pin it back to my grandma giving me an old book on astronomy. And, and when I was a kid, I was really interested in the natural world as I am now. And I was into collecting the leaves and identifying the trees and learning the birds. I was really into bird watching. And uh, one day she gives me this field guide. So oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go find Orion's Belt. You know, how hard can it be? Three stars in a row. And I went out in uh, October, in October evening. So Orion wasn't up yet. And uh, I said, well, there it is. And no, wait, that's, that's not, there's a lot of three stars in a row. <laughs> so Little did I know he wasn't even in, in the sky at the time, but, but gradually gradually learned from from there and, and worked up to some binoculars and then was going to buy a telescope and went to the telescope store and the man said, oh, you, you need more money to buy a telescope. And then almost almost stopped me. Then my uncle sent me a little 80 millimeter refractor for Christmas. Almost hyperventilated. Mm-hmm. Open the, oh, the box and uh, and I've uh, been hooked ever since.
0: Oh, fantastic, fantastic! What what kind of do you do observing now? What kind of observing do you do, or is it mostly outreach type of work? No, yeah, no. I'm a, I'm a pretty uh
1: pretty dedicated observer. I love deep sky stuff. I love lunar stuff, planetary stuff. Really anything anything that's in the sky. There, I my main scope I have a uh, 12 and a half inch daub. Uh, it's a, one of those old uh porta balls you know, that looks like a big snowman. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a ball scope. And, oh, man, that thing is awesome. But I have a 100-millimeter a refractor and a couple other dubs And, um, yeah, really, anything that's up, I'm out there looking at it.
0: Fantastic. So let's let's get into this article. What prompted you to write this? It, well, great question. This actually, it started in the entertainment field.
1: I work a lot with senior citizens oh uh, um I've been an activities director before and I'll go in and I'll work closely with them and I'll, I'll do, um, music shows for them. And one of the things I started doing was the history of music. And I was in a a class one day with an elderly lady. I had this cool picture of some, I forget even what it was. And she said, oh, you know, I wish I could see that, but I'm losing my vision. And I said, well, I was kind of caught off guard because Mm -hmm. kind of a bummer for her. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just, I'll explain it to you. So I sort of explained what was going on. And then I was sitting around with some some other elderly people one day, and I was telling them about how I liked looking at the stars. And they said, oh, that sounds cool, but we can't really see them. Mm. And that got me thinking, huh, well, what if I could explain it to people? Because I love explaining things. And when I look at the world, I always want to share it, and usually in terms of words. So that's why I love writing. So I got to thinking, well, maybe I could bring this to the visually impaired community, the blind and low vision community. So I ended up um, making a little bit of a sort of an open house. I did a couple of sessions for some kids and then I wanted to write this this article for Sky and telescope thinking man, you know this is an interesting thing we're so visually based. I mean, we're in the field of high quality optics. I mean man, if you're a planetary observer, you know you're probably into minimal class stuff and you're what kind of what kind of scope do you have, Tim?
0: Uh, what I have about what, five yeah. different telescopes how, how
1: many what, yeah right how many how many scopes do you have and then
0: or you have a refractor guy? I have one large refractor, uh, and nice. then I have a couple of Maxudovs.
1: Nice. Okay, right. So so we're down to to ultra-precision optics mm-hmm. here, right? I'm preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. So then this whole idea of, well, you can't even see it in the first place. Well, how can we translate that? And this whole translation has made me really, really intrigued.
0: Okay. So. And, and how do you do that? I mean, how are you developing a curriculum for this type of training?
1: Well, I'm doing it as a go-along, kind of flying by the seat of my pants. I'm doing it with a lot of listening, which is an interesting thing because, well, I'm an opinionated fellow, um, mm-hmm. and I think one of the faults of the scientific community is it's very one-way. We say, sit and listen to these cool facts, and we're going to tell you how it is. So this uh, this can make people's eyes glaze over uh, on the best of days and breed distrust in the worst of days. So. So what I've been doing is I've been trying to approach it with a variety of ways. One is to be very descriptive in my language. So if I'm talking to somebody who maybe has seen previously or they can see a little bit, there's this whole spectrum. It's not either the lights are on or it's off. Sometimes sometimes it comes and goes for the individual, which has got to be extraordinarily difficult. So if the person has a concept of what colors are, I can explain something in colors. Okay. And 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 vision. But sometimes people have never seen at all. So then I might use uh, a descriptor of, say, if I'm talking about the moon. And I can say, okay, well, you know, maybe – actually, I was doing this session and, and a kid's mom came up with this idea. They said, well, a crater might be like a pothole. So you could feel it or you've okay. experienced it in some way. And then, and then sometimes you might use another sense. You might use – well, that's another sense. But you might use sound. The guys are over at System Sounds – do this incredible thing called sonification and they've worked with NASA and what they do is they take an image and they convert it to sound. So if you take, say, a star cluster or something and you put a, you assign a little chime to each star sound. Hmm. So as it sweeps across the field, the greater the concentration of stars, the more chimes you'll have. Oh, and maybe okay. if it's higher up in the image, it might have a higher pitch. And if it's lower in the image, you have a lower pitch. So you, you can listen to what's going on. So that's one way of a translation. But a big theme in my outreach is I don't want to say, well, this is this is astronomy light, or this is something that, oh, I'm seeing it and you're not, and I'll explain it to you. Mm-hmm. I want people to be engaged with this. So we might go over theoretical stuff. We might say, okay, well, you can't even see a black hole by definition, but we can right. study it and we can figure that out. Very true. Yeah. So so a lot of a lot of different ways and and I also like to challenge them, especially if they're a little bit younger. And and uh, I had this one student who was really into some video game that takes place on a uh, in the Andromeda galaxy, I think is what it was. And so I, I kind of tweaked him on purpose, and I said, "Well, you'll never be able to go there." And he was like, "What?" Because kids these days are used to being told, "Oh, you can do anything you want." Mm-hmm. So can't be done unless you figure it out. So get to work. So to engage their their theory of something, so they can they can actively participate. And, and even bring their, in a even better way, because they can bring a different perspective to the table and maybe figure something out that nobody else has.
0: I see, I see. Now, in, in this, there's just a the topic alone, visually impaired. There's many different degrees of visual yes. impairment. I mean, I have, a, I have a young friend of mine who was perfect, had perfect scene until he got into his late 20s, and he developed a, a, uh, a tumor on his optic nerve. And he's mm. gradually lost his sight. Well, one thing he was before then was an excellent shot with a handgun. So, I mean, wow, great target shooter. And he's still shooting today. And his vision is like ninety percent gone, but wow. he's got he's got enough. And he's he's tweaked the uh, scope on his gun and all sorts of things to where he's able to still, thank God still hit the target. <laughs> you know, nice, but it's, right. it's I just it, it's interesting. That's why the subject really hit me because you know training people or, or, or talking to people about stars who have never seen as opposed yeah. to people that have seen in the past.
1: Yeah. I mean, right. That,
0: yeah. And how do you how do you address that?
1: Well, so it's the way that I usually go about that is I usually try to explain that in sort of um well I'm a musician by training. So sort of a okay. transcription. So in other words, if I'm taking I love classical music and i play blues and rock and metal Mm -hmm. and everything so i can take a a bach piece and play that in, in a metal style and if you want so that's that's a transcription you know you take take the idea and then you put it in a different genre so so try to translate that take the moon for example people are like well they've heard the the description of what the moon is but what does it really look like, right? So, so to try to engage their senses and and to try to say, okay, well, let's feel something bumpy, and we can go over that. And sometimes you can convert an image to to a, a thing you can feel,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but that usually leaves some to be desired. Um, there's books out there and everything that they'll have like a representation of the Orion Nebula, but or the rings of Saturn, but it's not the same as looking mm-hmm. at it through a telescope. So you want to try to. Bring that with words is what I usually use in that case to say, okay well, imagine this and imagine that and and imagine this great hula hoop in space for Saturn's rings. And an interesting thing occurred to me while I was doing this and you might have had the same experiences uh, and I'm sure many of the listeners have is, is we're all pro- if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a pretty good observer. And you're looking at something and you get that night of clear scene and, you know, the Cassini division is really popping. And you're like, oh, man, you know, and I can see banding on Saturn's globe and, and everything. And then you show your neighbor and your neighbor will be impressed by what they see. And, and they'll be mostly impressed that it's actually there. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw Saturn, it's like, oh, I can't. It's actually there. It's actually real. I mean, I know that sounds silly, but we've probably all had that experience. Wow. But they're not seeing what we're seeing. Especially with deep sky observing. If I right. find a, a new galaxy, it's like, oh, that's amazing. And, and people are like, ah, well, is, is your lens broken? I see a little smudge on it. Or it's just mm-hmm. dots. So to translate that anyway to to anybody who's not an experienced observer, most people can't see what we see. True. So it's that – it's the translation is seems to be the trick of it. And how can we present it in a compelling way that engages people's attention?
0: And that, that's, that's an excellent point. You know, one of the things I do with the ALPO is I run their training program for astronomers. And nice. it's basically teaching them how to observe. And we do it not through imaging, but through drawing, drawing the planets, drawing craters. And the evolution of a student I might have from the start to where they graduate from the program, it's not that their drawing has gotten better. It's their ability to see fine details has drastically right. improved and the only way you get that is time with the eyepiece right yeah you know, and, right. and, but ex, but explaining that you you, you talk about uh, when you're dealing with the visually impaired it's through communication it's through uh, verbal what about tactile type things you know where were the, where there's something yeah. for them to touch and feel do you do any of that a little bit and that's in a field
1: that has got me really interested so there's there's some the, the issue with it is it's expensive to produce mm. is my limited understanding about this so if somebody's listening and they say oh no it's not and i have a great idea how to please let me know because i would really like to make this available so there's um i've i've come across a couple of books that have it presented but the the problem is with them is they're very simple and again it's sort of a, like an astronomy light idea right it's mm-hmm. like okay well here's here's the constellation of, or or not the constellation, but the Big Dipper, for example, right? And all you're feeling is the main outline of the Big Dipper. So I would like to figure out a way that I can take, you know, maybe um, Sky Atlas 2000 or something, and then convert that to Braille. It seems like a perfect Mm -hmm. format. It's dots anyway, right? And you make the dots different sizes. It seems like that would be a pretty easy translation. I was talking to a guy um, up in Canada, and he has a a CNC machine Mm -hmm. and he will take, and he does the high definition stuff. So he'll take Saturn's rings or M51. He did, he did that. And
0: even like 3d printers, I mean, 3d printers are readily available today. I mean, to to, to create this type of teaching aid. Yes. And it's something that I really want to
1: get into. And I haven't, haven't got around to that yet, but that's, this is a pretty new project for me. So I would really like to develop a library of these things. So I can go do a talk for people and then have them, actually feel what's going mm-hmm. on. And that's a great way to get that across. And then I would like to figure out a way to maybe not mass produce it, but be able to make it readily available. Um, yeah. Man, and this guy's name is escaping me. And I, we had a two-hour conversation. Oh, and he was my. the former president of the, the Royal Astronomical Society up there, a fascinating oh. guy. And, and okay. he did this whole you know, what I'll do is, is I'll, I'll email you when we're all done. It is, I've had okay. too much coffee. So, I'll right. and, and yeah, he's a great guy. And he was, he was walking me this whole, through this whole thing. And, and, uh, you can get some really, really good detail. And the question that's in my mind that I'm really asking your audience is, is there a way to do it? The 3d printing where you can make up a nice detailed chart mm-hmm. and that relatively cheaply,
0: yeah, I I bring up the t- tactile thing too, because my, my wife taught second grade for many years. And she's she's hard of hearing, but she's fluent in sign language. And she's they always gave her like the visually impaired kids and, and the hearing impaired kids. And nice. she taught for like 30 years, and about two years ago, she saw at a mall the, the mother and now the grown child that she taught years ago. And she flagged mm-hmm. the mom down. The mom knew who she was and stuff. And there she then the mom told the son, you know, oh, this is you know the teacher you had in second grade, and he had this perplexed look, and he took his hands and put it on her face, and as oh. soon as he felt her face, he recognized her. Oh, wow! Oh. And it was just really, really mind blowing and awesome mm. to see. And he, he started laughing. He was just he started signing about all these great things that she did with him and stuff like that. And so that's that's why I bring up the tactile things. I know that's a yeah. way they communicate and the way they remember too. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's, it's pretty wild it's incredible. The, the
1: kids, so I was doing this, this summer class for the Maryland School for the Blind. Mm-hmm. And this little girl was reading us the astronomy book. And so I started reading it and she goes, may I read this to you? And I said, well, absolutely. And, and the book was printed in normal print and Braille. And I was so impressed by this little nine-year-old girl reading the book. And, and um, that's, that's something that's been really curious to me about, I always interpret the universe visually. So doing this way, how can we interpret it in other ways? And to see these these kids just rocking with this this amazing sense of touch and hearing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: well, that's that's really inspiring. And like that story you share, I mean, that's just so moving. That mm-hmm. means so much. There's this human connection. And in right. the field of astronomy, it's it's pretty vast. And one of my favorite things about it is it's transcendent of the human experience. It's just so, so big. So it's nice to have that meaning in two dimensions there of the the human and the scientific.
0: It really is. It really is. And all of the experiences I've had in my life, that's what really struck me when I read this article. Now, is this something you want to develop a curriculum for or are, are you already there? Yeah. Well, so it's, it's in a pretty early stages and I'm seeing where it's
1: going. Um, and it's, I'm certainly open to the idea. What I'm doing right now is I'm trying to just do outreach and see see what's needed and see where it's needed and in what way resonates. So I don't have a set curriculum developed, per se. Okay. I had an outline for the classes I was doing, and that was actually similar to any other astronomy education. I'll do talks um, about this for sighted audiences, and it'll be the same thing. We'll start on Earth, and we'll, we'll work our way outward. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, it's I usually I'm teaching it indoors anyway. And mm-hmm. in this case, it's almost a little more. I find it more effective because I keep getting bogged down in PowerPoint slides uh. with the sighted <laughs> audiences. So, so when I, th- I, I actually like speaking to blind audiences more because we don't have to deal with that nonsense. You know, I, I guess I should just jettison the slides anyway. But but sometimes um, sometimes it's you know it helps you realize what's important. So what I want to do is. Is figure out what's needed through more interaction, and and then develop it from there. So I I would imagine that as the years go by, that one will coalesce from it, um, and see what's what's needed. So that's really where I'm at right now.
0: Have you thought about partnering, like with the Braille Institute, to come up with a, a plan?
1: No, but that's a great idea. Uh, yeah, and if anybody listening has any any input, um, this is and I've been this is a this project is less than a year old. I started okay. it. It's almost a year. Old. I think I started dabbling last February. Um, so coming up on a year, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking to partner with anybody and everybody who wants to explore the heavens. And so if anybody has any suggestions, man, I'm all ears.
0: Okay, great. Now, what have you learned in this past year of coming up with this?
1: Man, that's a great question. A couple of things. Um, One is that there's a, I guess it's sort of a philosophical point is there's a lot of different ways to interact with the universe, a lot of different perspectives that we have. And this is something we usually see today on maybe a ideological front, right? Like a policy discussion, but there's fundamental differences in the way that we approach the world. And we can benefit from that. And that's a really helpful thing. And, Then the other thing, um, one of the other things I've learned is just like learning to be a better observer, by having to explain something in detail, it makes me a better observer. I guess it would be similar to sketching. I've done maybe three sketches in my life, and I'm pretty rudimentary about that, but your program sounds really interesting about that. I'd like to look more into that. And just when I'm trying to do a serious observation, I'm like, okay, well, what am I seeing exactly? And how would I explain this to somebody else? Might do that in the field if I'm observing something just on my own. But now when you're gonna go talk to the kids and they can't see it at all. So you want to, you're the translation between between the scene and the non. You are transcribing the universe. Well, that gives you an awesome responsibility to try to get those details right and really make that pop. So that's that's helped my observing along the way. And then another thing is all of the things around the visual experience. So paying more attention when I'm at the eyepiece and paying more attention to what's the, what does the temperature feel like? What birds are calling in the night? All the owls talking to each other, the cars on the highway, the dew on the equipment, the whole experience. Mm-hmm. So it's got me paying more attention to that as well. So those are, those are some of the things. And then just how exciting this is. That's one of the things I love about teaching guitar is to work with a student, uh, I mean, learning Iron Man or Smoke on the Water. I mean, that was a, that's a pivotal moment as a young guitar player.
0: I <laughs> was wiped out that. on
1: the drums. <laughs> I, I, the, same thing, right? You say, "Oh wow, you know, this is such an amazing line," and there's something that captures you about that, and and just just makes you think, "Okay, there's there's something here, and I've got to be part of it." Well, I think all of us with observing, we don't just look at the moon because. It's cool. We look at the moon. There's a lot of things. It's cool. There's gear involved. There's skill involved. It's satisfying. But there's also something like that's really gripping. So to be able to, to present this to other people, it helps me get more in touch with that, whatever that is, um, and really makes me relish the experience a lot more.
0: So it sounds like this has made you a better observer. Yes. Okay. Most definitely. Most Cause, definitely. Because you're thinking of ways that you need to describe what you're saying to other people.
1: Yeah, yeah. For okay. example, I was looking at so this was is a deep sky example. I was looking at M thirty five, the open cluster in Gemini, the other night. And that is a magnificent sight. Mm-hmm. But there's something about if we start to really identify what we're seeing, we can see it more. Otherwise it beca- it's relatively undefined. It's sort of like if you're if you're walking through the woods and you're listening to birds. Or if you're walking through the woods and you're a bird and you're identifying the birds, you're like, oh, there's a cardinal, and there's a robin, there's a bluebird, mm-hmm. and you hear what's going on. And suddenly the the woods has a high definition source of information instead of just random birds in the background. So right. with the example of M35, yeah, there's that orange star near the middle, and there's this neat chain coming up, and then there's the 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 tiny little open cluster. I forget its, its designation off to the side. Well, oh, what does that look like? It maybe looks like a piece of lint off to the side, and. How would I explain this to somebody? And in thinking how would I explain it to somebody, I see it a lot better myself, as I'm sure you do when you're doing your observation.
0: Very true. Very true. Now, what about using like uh, radio astronomy, like the sounds from radio telescopes? Is that something you thought about as well?
1: Absolutely. And I want to build a radio telescope. Now, an interesting thing is, is I keep dabbling in it, and maybe it's going to become my favorite thing. So far, it hasn't gripped me as visual astronomy has. But it's been a great way to not only explain to people that you don't need to see to make significant contributions to science, but also say, Hey, you know, this, this is a way you can observe in real time. You don't have to rely on my interpretation. Um, one of the things that I really I'm intrigued with is listening to meteors. And this is, um, mm. I learned about this a couple of months ago. And that's, I just did a, a episode podcast episode about this. And my understanding, and I, I could be wrong about this, but my understanding is when the, when the little, little piece of sand comes into the atmosphere, it it heats up the air and it creates a temporary mirror for radio waves. So you can actually, you need a, and I could be, I'm ignorant on this matter, but my understanding of it is, is there's, if you have a a frequency broadcast anyway, usually a television frequency. And then all of a sudden this, this, meteor mirror, for lack of a better word, pops up and out. you can hear a blip and it reflects that carrier signal suddenly. Mm-hmm. So I think live meteors.com is the website. We can hear meteors coming in the atmosphere all the time. Well, let me tell you, Tim, with this year's Leonid meteor shower, I went out and I saw one and <laughs> it was cold out there. I came in with my computer and I was listening to a whole bunch. Well, there you go. So, uh, <laughs> and you can listen during the day as well. So that's a nice way to observe meteors.
0: There you go. Yeah. And it's you know what we do with our senses beethoven was deaf yeah you know, and yes. he wrote some of the greatest music of all time yeah so it's it's we not being limited by by uh by impaired or or a disability in some way is, is something and that's why I, I i hope and i wish you a lot of success with this program i really do because i think mm-hmm. it's something that's needed yeah um, and it's something i have never thought i mean i've given lectures to hundreds of astronomy groups in my life, but right. I've never thought about doing it with a uh, visually impaired. Well, you know, it, that makes me think of something. And
1: and this is just talking off the top of my head, but I, w- I was thinking you were asking, you know, well, where can this go? And you know, let's just kick an idea around. But I was got to thinking, well, wouldn't it be neat if we could get a lot of people talking about this? And you go out to your telescope and you record your observations in in a voice memo or something. You say, mm-hmm. oh, "I'm looking at, I'm looking at Jupiter tonight, and this is what I'm seeing, and and this is this is what it is, and this is why it looks like this, and it looks like a little ping pong ball with some smudges on it, and in that smudge, I'm seeing you know, this is what the clouds are, and all these all these different things, and really to inspire some people about that, I think old time radio, right? I love old time radio, and that's actually my favorite way to listen to baseball, mm-hmm. for, or to to participate in baseball. But well, being at the game is awesome cuz you get to be at the game, you get to throw peanut shells everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but but listening to it on the radio, there's something just just so awesome about that. And the announcer does such a great job of interpreting what's actually happening. If somebody's not a baseball fan and they're like, "Oh, okay, well, they're just standing there. What's going on?" right? But you don't know what the pitcher's foot is doing. Is it on the rubber? Is it off the rubber? How is the runner at first base, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to mess with his head and throw off his cadence, all these different things, right? And the announcer on the radio can do that. Well, what if we could start to do that with astronomy and bring it to a whole community of people who are very interested in space?
0: I think we need to buy Vince Scully a telescope. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There we go. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. So, Oh, well, that that yeah. that's 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 wonderful, and like I said, I wish you a lot of luck with this. But talking about theater and drama and that type of thing, that leads me into another topic conversation. You have a podcast? Yes, I do. It's yes, the do. Night Kitchen podcast. So talk uh, talk to, talk uh, to yeah. me about that. Sure thing. So
1: this is um this was born. I I thought I've been thinking for a while, and I love writing, so that's something that I'm working on. As you saw it in the Sky and Telescope website. I got to thinking, okay, well, what if we had this idea of of sort of a um, – not necessarily science fiction in the fact that I'm making up any of these concepts. I'm just listening to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy on audiobook, and that's just fantastic. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of fiction – well, it's all fiction, right, um, based on certain locations. But what if we were talking about actual – things in the sky, but we were talking about it in a fictional way where you're coming into this, this quirky guy's house, which is would be my house. And you come into his house late at night. And there's like this little, this little clubhouse and everybody's hanging out and talking about, talking about space and, and, um and, and sharing their stories with it. So, so the night kitchen was born and I started working with the Maryland state library for the blind. And uh, we did one season, just wrapped up one season. That's five episodes and just really taking people on a journey from how big is space, trying to get a, a scale of that. And the, the thing I was using there was big numbers are hard for me to wrap my head around. And I spout them off all the time. But, but if we're actually, what if we're driving somewhere? What if we had a space highway and we're, we're driving out at 60 miles an hour? How long would it take to get to these things? So this is episode called the space bus. And we go out. So we're going to go visit the moon. And it would take us six months to drive to the moon. And uh, 177 years to drive to the sun and just mm-hmm. giving us giving us a sense of, of how, how big we're. And, and it would take four and a half billion years to drive to the Pleiades, I, th- I think. it is. So working on that, working on what does the sky look like? And that was an interesting episode to do because how many of us actually know that, right? Well, I mean, even us observers, if we had to describe well, what color blue is the sky over your house on a clear night? You know, which which we can say our limiting magnitude and we can see that, but what does it look like? What does it feel like? What does a star look like if you've never seen a star before? How far away does it look? So I really had fun making that episode. So just trying to bring people into the fold and in a quirky, entertaining way, using some old-time radio effects so I put a lot of sound effects mm-hmm. and kind of, kind of hokey on purpose, I sort of, you know, harken back to the days before television where we'd listen to our radio for entertainment. Right. Um, so that that was really fun to do. It was you know, a lot of work, but um but worthwhile. It's so, it's
0: well produced. Good, thank good, you did a good job producing it. Now what's your intended audience? Intended audience, two audiences. One, the blind and low vision community.
1: Okay. And two, maybe people like Anybody listening to this or or anybody who's mildly interested in space, people will probably be like, if if your listeners go over there, they're going to know this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's going to be presented in a different way and you might enjoy it. But the idea behind it is, is maybe it will make us observers appreciate what we're seeing a little bit more and, and have a different perspective on the sky. I had a little girl ask me, what does the moon look like? And then I was talking to my mom one day and I said, oh yeah, she asked me what the moon looked like. And my mom gave the most appropriate response. She bursts into tears, hmm. thinking, man, somebody's never seen the moon. So we take this this beauty for granted. So sort of the secondary objective is to get us a, a sighted guys to tune into what's right in front of our noses. Or, well, maybe trillions of miles away, but right in front of our eyepieces, that right, is.
0: Right, right, right. So where's the yeah. podcast available? Uh,
1: the best place to look at it is SoundCloud. It'll be soundcloud.com slash The Night Kitchen Podcast, I think. Let me make sure I get this. Yeah, or no, Night Kitchen Podcast, not the Night Kitchen Podcast. So check that out. Um, And, you know, again, if anybody's listening and you have any ideas, any topics you think would be good for the show, let me know. Um, Any ideas with anything, welcome any and all input.
0: Have you put it on Apple yet?
1: I believe it's syndicated to Apple. I need to double check. It should be on all the providers. All right, but I need to. Oh, you know what, Tim? I think I forgot to hit the syndicate button, so I'm going to write a note. Yeah, um,
0: you got to get but, it out there. Yes, it's, yes. it's well worth it. There's always room for more podcasts. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's a million of them out there, right? So, how um, how often do you upload new episodes?
1: So we're doing that one that was a weekly one. I got to put another one up now. That season was running through November and I was putting it up on I was giving it to the library first. They were they were the uh the sponsor for that one. So it's okay. on their website as well and then I'm just sort of up, re-uploading it over here on my page. Um so yeah, I need to start the next season and um hopefully in early 22 we'll be getting the next round of them up there. But there's two more left. Um two well last one we're splitting into. In the two bits. So there's three more episodes due out on the SoundCloud page. So go check it out and hope you enjoy it. Okay. And who's the sponsor again? This was the Maryland State Library for the Blind and Print Disabled. And they were just awesome. Um, great to work with them. They're very encouraging. And their mission is just to um, educate people as much as they can, you know, be a resource for the community. And they were asking, they said, hey, you know, can uh, we're going to do a live event. And they said, oh, you know, can you do something recorded? And I got to thinking, well, podcast would be perfect. So Mm -hmm. we we cooked up this idea together, and uh, then it's just taken off from there.
0: So how did they – did you find them, or do you have someone in your family that's visually impaired? How did you connect with them?
1: So it was was a cold call. And being an entrepreneur, um, I'm used to cold calling. And I I never like cold calling, but it usually leads to good things. I mean, most of the time, people are like, no, go away. But (laughs) I ended up calling the Maryland um, School for the Blind and saying, hey, I'm I'm working on – I want to do – I want to do some writing on the topic. You know, do you have any input on this? And like, well, would you like to do a program for us? Like, well, sure. So I did uh, two programs, sort of a, an afternoon program. So the kids, this was all over zoom actually. And I had these elementary middle school kids on zoom. And I was, I was a little bit worried. I'm like, man, you know, zoom is boring enough when you can see, and now you're just listening to me go on and on and on. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know if they're going to like <laughs> this, but I, I did my best And this little, little nine year old girl. said, this is the best zoom ever. So uh-huh. I said, I said, "Oh, this is good." I mean, and I don't know if she was bracketing that as like as Zoom goes, this is the best <laughs> ever. <laughs> so, but hey, either way, I would, I would take it. So, so, and then from there, it led to the summer program at Maryland School for the Blind. And then once that concluded, I said, "Hey, you know, is is there anybody else I should talk to?" And they put me in touch with the Maryland State Library. And um, shout out to Lashawn over there, and she's she's been very helpful and and working on bringing astronomy to. Um, she's up in Baltimore. So that's a doubly underserved community right there. Mm -hmm. A lot of, a lot of inner city kids and, and then they can't see. So, um, this is, it's really been a a pleasure to work with them.
0: That's great. That's great. Well, I I wish a lot of luck on the podcast too, but really, will you please keep me informed on how, uh, the whole, uh, uh, astronomy for the visually impaired program is going. If you had, if you ever develop a full curriculum and things like that, please, please come back on. We can talk Sure. About it. Oh
1: yeah. I'd love to keep you posted. And you know, one of the things I should mention is, is I'm not the only guy who's doing this. Um, there's a professional astronomer and I'm going to mess up her last name, but our Dr. Wanda Merced, I think is her last name. And mm-hmm. she had her site and then she lost it. And she's from Puerto Rico and she wanted to keep studying with this. And so she uses sonification and she's not the only one. There's a couple other ones. Um, it's definitely an uphill climb for her right. and everybody else in the field, but, um, just bringing a great, great perspective to it. And that's my main point is I want to involve people because again, it's not, oh, I'm going to tell you how it is. And this is astronomy light. Um, this is like, there's many different ways to interpret the universe. Mm-hmm. The fashionable way is to use photons, but there's other ways. hmm and maybe you can bring something good to the table or not maybe, but you can bring something good to the table and uh, we're looking forward to seeing what it is.
0: That sounds great. Well, Josh, I will put your contact information uh, in the show notes also links to your article in Sky and Tell and also to your podcast. So people can easily Thank- find you that way.
1: Thank you very much, Tim. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And uh, once again, just a shout out to, to all the observers out there. If you guys have any suggestions or ideas on, on really how to bring the universe to a wider audience, please let me know. I'm all ears. Well, thanks again. Absolutely. Tim have a great evening over there. You too.
0: Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. Again, I want to thank Josh Urban for coming on the podcast and talking to us a little bit about the program he's developing for teaching astronomy to the visually impaired. Uh, That sounds really interesting. And please, if any of you out there listening would like to get a hold of him and help him out with this uh, endeavor, please, please do that. It sounds like a really worthwhile effort. We upload a new episode of the Observer's Notebook on the 1st and 15th of every month. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please rate and review us. I really appreciate it. You can also listen to us on Apple Radio, iHeart Radio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon Echo, and Spotify. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon. You can give up to $35 a month where you'll receive one year's membership to the Alpo and producer credits on the podcast. With that, I would like the producers of this podcast, Steve Seentop and Michael Moyer for their continued generous support. The link for Patreon as well as the link for the Alpo is in the show notes. If you'd like to get a hold of me, my email address is commentman at cometman.net or on Twitter at at ObserversNBPod. Until next time, my hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening.